Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter. And I am joined, as always, by the Murtaugh to my rigs, Brandon. I get behind that 100%. That's oh, you're a lethal up. weapon guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't have to like the guy starring it to uh, remember it as a part of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, with all this talk these days about, like, Hollywood celebrities being anti-Semitic, he's, uh, he's the leader of the parade, Mel Gibson. But look... Tom Cruise is a crazy Scientologist. We still like his movies. so I mean, how can you not respect a guy that does his own stunts to that level? Yeah. And Mel Gibson, probably his craziness is part of what makes him a great actor, you know? He's a little bit unhinged. I think that's what makes for good actors all around. I don't. Think, yeah, a lot of them seem to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's unhinged. been many actors or whatever people have talked about as being normal outside of our work. I think it's lethal. That, you know, we're at the holiday season here, and welcome to the um, Thanksgiving episode of the Reverend Hunter podcast. Um, you know, I always think of. I think is it Lethal Weapon two that's set at Christmas time? I think. Yes. Yes, it is. And. And uh, Murtaugh is is remodeling his house, and I, I have good memories of that one. Is that the one with the toilet scene? <laughs> I think so, and it's. Right. <laughs> I think that's the one with the uh, the bomb on the toilet, and that that gal from South Africa. Yep, <laughs> I had a huge crush on her. Man, holy smokes! Ah, uh, the good old days of movies <laughs> when they were somewhat original. <laughs> They yeah, actually, they weren't all yes. Marvel you know what, Brandon? I was just um, somebody last night. I was with somebody last night having a having a beer, and he said, uh, "Do you do you do you and Courtney go to movies? Like go out to movies?" And we really don't. I mean, Courtney doesn't really like movies. She likes TV shows. Like she watch likes watching uh, series TV show series better than going to a movie. Um, I go to movies with my boys sometimes, like James Bond movies or whatever. But my gosh, the the overabundance of superhero movies—it's really killed the the theater for me. Besides Deadpool, I think the last superhero movie I watched was literally X Men way back in. Like yeah, the that's early old, 2000s. dude. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a lot of them, but they're just so boring and formulaic. And you might say the same about Bond, but I I feel like Bond has. The Bond movies, Bond franchise continues to kind of reinvent itself and get more complex. And I think Daniel Craig, I mean, here we go off on a tangent, but (laughs) I think Daniel Craig is the best Bond. Yeah, he was. I I used to watch a bunch of British movies in the early 2000s because I thought I was cool. And Uh uh, he was in this movie called Layer Cake before he was Bond. And as soon as I saw that movie, you could see exactly why they picked him to be James Bond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. You know, I watched a documentary that's on Amazon Prime uh, about the Bond music, like the 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 very famous theme song, you know. But then every um, every Bond movie, of course, has its own theme song, as well as like the Bond song. So uh, it was a pretty cool. I mean, they really put a ton of thought into that, and they even there were you know there's some clunkers in there, but. Uh, Man, you think about like everybody from Paul McCartney and Sheena Easton to, you know, like Billie Eilish. Um, it's pretty amazing. 
the people they've gotten to sing the different Bond songs. And the so character anyway. of Bond is a little better than he used to be as far as like, you know, being a complete misogynist and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's become darker, more complex and darker as time's gone on, which I'll be frank. I mean, that's why I, I probably like Batman best of all. The, I'm not a big superhero comic guy, but I like the the dark humanness of Batman, I guess. So, I mean, it's that time. I don't even know. There must be some big blockbusters coming to a theater near you here on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but uh, look, Brandon, we're doing this because I've had a couple people tell me they really missed the fifth Monday episodes where you and I uh, would banter. Brandon's banter. Well, to, it, <laughs> to both of those people, I say thank you. <laughs> just just the two of us chatting. Um, you know, we don't get to do that. So fill me in for a bit. Uh, tell me, I don't listen to all the podcasts on Talk North Network. I don't know how any human being could. Um, how many podcasts are you currently producing? Currently, I have scaled down to, I think it is 10. Okay, but how many but that's only because you have somebody working with you. Yep, yep. Before that I was doing up to I was doing at the maximum, I think I was doing eighteen at one time. Oh my god. And how oh my god, dude. Which is why I now have somebody helping me out and I'm very thankful for Brianne for doing that. And so okay, eighteen mine was every other week. How 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 many of those are weekly? Most of them are weekly, aren't they? Yeah, most of those. I think fifteen of those are weekly. Fourteen. Holy 15. smokes, dude. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing ten a week. Yep. I'm sure Brianne really wanted the Reverend Hunter, but you just white knuckled it. You said, no way, I'm not letting go of that one. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been watching a lot of winning time on HBO, so I was just boxing her out, so to speak. It's a great, great series, um, by the way. Do you, do you, oh, is that right? I've not, oh, is that the, um, it's, the Lakers one? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's really good. It, it got John C. Riley. Yep. It's really, fun. it's, it's like well done, but cheesy. And they, yeah, they do this thing where they break the fourth wall. That's genius. Oh, gotcha. I'm not a huge basketball guy, so me either. Mm. No, um, but yeah, no. Uh, it's it's. I'm glad that people wanted to do these shows for Monday and stuff like that, or you know, the bring back the the fifth Monday episode. Fifth Monday, yeah. It has been a while. I guess I could uh, let everybody know that I picked up a new pup last week. Or me hey, come on. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear all about it. We got a rescue. Um, from it's originally from the Pine Ridge Reservation. What? Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's. I they brought home a dog. I brought home a dog from the Pine Ridge Reservation. Really? Yes. Years that's, ago. That's incredible. When I, when I lived out there, yeah. There, you know, it's they they need people to adopt dogs out there. There's just yep. thousands upon thousands of wild dogs, and yep. We we caught word from um, one of my partner Gina, one of her coworkers that you know fosters dogs, and we ended up looking one up and or a bunch up, and then we found Sherman, who's like a, a three year old mix of whatever. Um, and he's perfect. So we got really lucky. How big is Sherman? Sherman's about 40 pounds, about 39, 40 pounds. Okay. And so, you have just a total mutt mix. I would say so. It's hard to say. Like he looks like a thousand different things. You can go anywhere from looking like a Sheba to looking like a fox or a coyote. He looks, he just, he's, he's a mixture of a lot of different things. So it's kind of interesting. That's so awesome. Uh, I named my, res dog shunka because that is the lakota word for dog oh that's shunka. great yeah shunka so you can just remember that when you're 
you know, when you see him, if he if he doesn't respond to Sherman, just say Shunka, and maybe he knows Lakota. Shunka's got that, that strong the strong K in it. That should actually help. <laughs> yeah, it's a great name for a dog, actually, really too. Um, but yeah, that's Lakota. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. So just a week you've had him. Just a week we've had him, and uh, and he's a hunter. That's for sure. Oh no, kidding! What's uh, he hunting for? Mice, no, squirrels, and rabbits. Okay. Ours like he's he's he caught one rabbit, let it go right away, and. He's getting really close to the squirrels in our backyard. So <laughs> that's so awesome, dude. It's, it's crazy to watch him hunt. He's he will sit in the snow for hours and you know zero degree weather and just stare and look, which is, I've never had before in an animal. So. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Oh man, I'm so so glad you haven't posted a photo online yet. Of, of no, nope, not have you? Not yet. No, I went, but soon I will. Soon I will. He's still kind of got that shy dog thing where every every time you hold up a camera. It looks like he's like, you know, the most scared thing on yeah. this planet. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> okay. Like the dog knows that's a camera on your phone. Right. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's if he comes from the reservation, there are people out there, at least when I lived out there, there were people who did not want their photos taken. Now, this is well, well before cell phones, of course. But they, you know, the old uh the old timers, some of the old timers did not like their photos being taken. Oh, yeah, I so. believe it. And some people, some of the old timers aren't necessarily happy about people rescuing their dogs out there either. It's kind of a complicated oh, issue. So, gotcha. You know, I think most people are for it, but there is a there is a Lakota history with these types of dogs. So, it goes deep. Yeah. Well, man, if you ever get the chance, you should go and visit the reservation. I still have some friends out there. Yeah, it was a it was a very formative three years of my life. I, I lived the three summers out there. Um, on Pine Ridge and yeah, absolutely loved it. In fact, um, we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit, but the book that I'm working on there, there's a line in there. I think it's something like, um, when I lived on the reservation, that's when I felt the most Christian in my life. Wow. It was like that time that this faith that I propounded and, and worked for and worked on made it's just worked. It just seemed to make sense on the reservation. And there's there's a lot to that, not because I was out there evangelizing people, just because mainly the work I was doing, the connections I was making, and how fulfilled I felt about, about that work. Um, I was like, oh, Christianity works out here when you're doing stuff like this. Right. So, there's there's yeah. a lot of very informative videos to watch on, on the Pine Ridge Reservation, but if people go on YouTube and actually look up the one made by the reservation, it's pretty, pretty shocking. The things that you learn that literally happen over in the next state from where we live. Oh yeah, dude. It's, I took every week when I lived there every week, I took kids who came out from different youth groups all over the country to do mission work out there. And every week I took them to the wounded knee memorial in the cemetery. And I mean, it is not, um, you would think because of how, what a big um how important wounded knee was in american history for for ill not even for good at all but just it was a terrible moment in american history you would think there would be a big monument or whatever no it's just like a cemetery and um it's pretty desolate it's pretty desolate on top of a hill and you can see the the um drainage there's like a kind of a creek drainage where um, when the massacre started, you know, 
all, all these Lakota people basically were starving. It was, I think, on like December 28th. There was snow on the ground. Um, they were freezing cold, and they had been kind of rounded up. And they were down in a valley, and all the, you know, all the American troops, and these, this was, these were the same people who um, were part of Custer's regiment. Um, these guys had sur- had them surrounded, and with with obviously with their muskets or whatever, but also with some cannons, and. Um, yeah, man, they they just like who it's one of those deals where nobody knows who fired the first shot. Most historians think it could not have been one of the Lakota people because they had given, you know, all their weapons had been seized. Um, but regardless, as soon as a shot was fired, I mean, maybe it was a misfire from some soldier cleaning his his weapon, you know, and then they just absolutely opened fire. And there's a trench, there's this drainage, like creek bottom, that runs back toward what's now the city of Pine Ridge. And there was a settlement there, and um, a lot of the women and children tried to escape through this trench. And uh, um, the U.S. Army soldiers just stood on the either side of the trench and just like basically picked these people off one by one as they ran down. I mean, it, it was, you know, there are pictures from the next day of all these bodies frozen in the snow in very grotesque and distended, um, uh, positions. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's something I think every American should see, frankly. Yeah. I mean, just, just to know the brutal part of the history of the United States and especially on the Great Plains area mm-hmm. where you see the size of land that the, the Lakota once had shrunk down to something, you know, the size of Wilmer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. No, it is. It is. So, well, good for you. And that dog's yeah. a good little connection to that place. It's great. It bring, great. Brings back great memories for me, even though, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super tragic place with a lot of pain, but of course, like so many places in the world, you know, the ones I visited at least that are stricken with poverty and and crime and stuff like that. There's also just an abundance of very beautiful people who, um, care for each other and care for their people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just the kindness that a lot of these people have and the, the respect for their past to stick around when they could not have to stick around. But I'll tell you what they don't have, veterinarians just neutering and spaying dogs. <laughs> no, they don't. And the, they do not. The one rescue uh, shelter that uh, ended up kind of starting the whole thing, I think last year they said they uh, neutered 2,500 dogs out there, which oh, is wow. like eight a day or something like that. That's Big numbers. Um, well, I'm glad we're doing this and uh, catching up a little bit. Um, I'm wondering, you know, back to the, uh, the other pot, all the, these podcasts, these, these other podcasts you produce, do you, how many of them do you speak on? Do, is your voice heard? Uh, this is the only one that I'm, I'm on every episode. Like that's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do my voices in a couple random ones here and there, like do North or the flush, but that's yeah, like when they have you on as a guest, right? right exactly. But yeah. I, 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 I've got to edit all the audio and that means I've got to listen to myself for like an hour plus afterwards. I don't know if I want to put myself through that. So I'm good with it. 
Oh, well, what's the, 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 are you enjoying it? Is it, is it, um, I mean, you're an old radio guy, right? So you've made this transition to podcasting. What, what do you think is going on? Is, is podcasting around to stay or is it going to be like blogging and have like a good 10, 15 year run and then kind of fade out? It's it, it, if it keeps evolving, it'll be around for a long time. If it, if it stays the same way where, you know, everybody can do a podcast or whatever, like everybody can blog, you know, it'll eat itself up. But there's a lot of good progression in podcasting and it's changed even so much in the past three years, like right before the pandemic to now. The Tell me how. Tell me a couple ways that you've seen it evolve. Um, it's become more multimedia. Um, the bigger podcasters have separated themselves from the smaller ones. And yeah. some of the biggest podcasters, like a lot that I watch, like comedians and listen to, you know, without podcasting, they wouldn't have a career even, you know, during the pandemic or post pandemic. And it's kind of made different stars out of people. And I don't know, it's kind of cool to see the way it's changed the media landscape. Like, for example, Netflix now has all these crime things on and stuff like that. And really podcasting kind of kicked off that whole genre. I know it's True. a genre that existed before, but it didn't exist at the level it's at now. Um yeah, that's true. What do you make of? It's funny. I, I it 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 catches me off guard when I hear somebody like, uh, um, I listen to the Conan O'Brien podcast pretty religiously, and he'll be like, blah blah blah, and you can watch my podcast. I'm like, watch your podcast. And the whole <laughs> point is that I listen to it so I can do other stuff like drive or work out or walk the dog. I don't think about like I'm not going to sit down and watch you talk into a microphone. I see I I used to feel that way and I used to yes. be so diehard pierced about it being audio form or audio only and that's that's what I choose to uh you know produce nowadays but I'll be honest like if there's like a two bears uh one cave or like a your mom's house podcast watching it's pretty funny because they do incorporate the visual aspect of things uh. so. It just depends on the one you're. I mean, that's about. yeah. I, my 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 Tanner, my oldest, my college son just got home yesterday, and Aiden he he's staying at my mom's house and uh, around the block, and you know, of course, my Aiden is still here with my 18 year old. He went over and saw Tanner. He got home like midnight, and I said, "Hey, what were you guys doing?" He said, "We were watching some Joe Rogan podcasts." Yeah. I'm like, dude, you watch Joe Rogan talking to a microphone. I mean, Joe Rogan does not really incorporate other media. Maybe they show a video clip once in a while if they're they're looking something up, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, one of the podcasts I just watched last week was comedian Tom Segura was interviewing um, Quentin Tarantino. Okay, which that yeah, it's it's only interesting to watch because Quentin Tarantino is such a quirky guy. Like you could just listen to it and it'd be fine, but without watching him and his weird mannerisms, you couldn't True. put it all together the same. So it works in the. And you know, I do. I will admit, like I don't listen to Howard Stern, but I do watch clips on YouTube of Howard Stern, like with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Yep. It just works in some aspects, but you know, Howard's radio man, so. <laughs> Howard, but, he's the king. It's been fun. I've I got into podcast. I think it was like 15 years ago, almost with a Ricky Gervais podcast. Really, which was you know audio only done on the BBC. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was probably the first podcast I heard, and I think it was on for only like three seasons. But I've been hooked ever since on podcasts. That's awesome. So if you ever get a chance to check out those episodes, they're really ridiculous and they're super funny. But it's just a Ricky Gervais podcast. I think HBO animated it actually later on. Oh really? Yeah. 
Well, I wonder if we should go vi- vi- video. What do you think? Should we, uh, you and me? You know what? As long as we can use some <laughs> deep fake ta- technology, I mean, I'm all for it. I don't even have to look like, I can look like whatever I want to. That's fine. Yeah. Well, true. <laughs> um, well, I, I was thinking, um, you know, of looking back at some of the podcast episodes we've had this year and what we're, what I'm thankful for as the Reverend Hunter. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm just thinking back to the last year. I had some great guests. It's it's funny, Brandon. Even um, I had an old friend re- reconnect with me in the last week, and she had just discovered my podcast. She and I used to go to the same church together ten years ago, and I had not heard from her in a long time. And she's a butcher. Um, I'm going to have her on the podcast. She's going out for her first hunt in the next couple weeks, and it's just always fun to hear from people who've just discovered the podcast and she was like, I'm going back through all the, you know, back catalog of finding different episodes and listening to different stuff. Um, so I think that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, no, it's really cool. I think, I think the second podcast of the year was one of my favorites with Sigrid. Um, which was, you know, I think it was a, it was a, a powerful and good episode to put out for, you know, people who, I guess are uneducated or unaware of the human side of these things, as opposed to, you know, what they're being told from the TV and such. Yeah. If, um, if you, if, if listeners out there haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, Sigrid Nielsen is a trans woman who is a hunter, firearms instructor, and longtime friend of mine who transitioned during COVID basically. Um, and it was really, a pretty raw, honest, honest interview for sure. Well, and it, 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 yeah. it, it feels even now with all this stuff happening as we've, you know, across yeah. the, the, the States and the, the tumultuous things that are being thrown out there. I think it's a good one to look back and just, you know, give it a chance because yeah, it opened up my eyes a lot about things and I'm pretty open-minded. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And, and it, I hope some people, follow Sigrid on social media as a result of that um, interview because she's continues to struggle, you know, and, and write as she's doing a lot of writing now. And there's, she's quite raw and honest in her social media about what this is transition has been like. She just uh, went through another gender affirming surgery recently. So yeah, that's, that's been, that was an intense one. I'm glad you remember that. Um, you know, another thing we've done in the last year in 2022 was had a couple different uh, conversations about firearms, which has been interesting. David Yamani, who teaches sociology at Wake Forest, and uh, Mianovich, Randy Mayan Mianovich from Liberal Gun Owners, um, they were both on to talk about firearms. And, you know, like I wouldn't say they're... I have mixed feelings about firearms and I just had a, in fact, believe it or not, I just had a conversation via text yesterday over the course of the day with a friend of mine who was actually transitioning from female to male. And they said, they texted me and said, I want to get a gun. I don't feel safe as a trans man. And I said, get a dog. Don't get a gun. <laughs> you know, I was like, if you're afraid of getting your house broken into, if you have a firearm in your house, um, I think first get a dog because dogs 
I, I was a police chaplain for 10 years and cops used to say to people who got broken into and they're like, what should I do if I don't want my house to get broken into? The cops would say, get a dog. Anybody who's going to break into a house, if they hear a dog barking, they're like, nope, I'm just going to go to the next house where there's not a dog. Well, <laughs> um, absolutely. And it, yeah. if you have a gun in the situation and you're not necessarily a gun person or a familiar, you're just making it more dangerous for everyone. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and, and this is one of the things that Mianovich and I talked about, maybe debated a little bit, is whether having a firearm in the house, you know, obviously it raises the potential of an accidental shooting of somebody using that um, gun for suicide. Uh, so, yeah, it was, I, I was like, I'm not telling you don't get a gun. I'm just saying start with a dog. And if you still don't feel safe, maybe then talk about getting a firearm, you know. Um, you know what? I got a lot of really positive feedback from my conversation with Doug Whitney, the guy who took me hunting for the first time. And, um, in the next episode or two, Brandon, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna broadcast a talk that I gave, um, recently. I just gave it last weekend. I had a speaking gig at a Lutheran church in Marion, Iowa, um, and I presented some material for the first time. Um, and it's it, the God of wild places was the name of the talk. And that's hopefully the name of my forthcoming book that I can talk a little bit more about here in a minute. But, uh, I had a great time presenting that material and I opened my talk with the, telling the story of when Doug took me duck hunting for the first time deep into Lake of the Woods, which he and I talked about on that podcast episode and was came at a really troubled and difficult time in my life. Um, so yeah, I, it's been fun hearing people. I, I, you know, some, some of these episodes, I don't know if you find it on other podcasts you produce, but sometimes I feel like, oh, this is kind of a vanity episode. Like this is just for me because nobody's ever heard of this guy before. He's not famous. He hasn't written a book. He doesn't run a, 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 organization or anything. He's just like the guy who took me hunting for the first time. And then I get all sorts of positive feedback from people like that was such a great conversation with that guy who took you hunting for the first time. I find those to be the best episodes on, on one of the hockey shows uh, I produce where seats in the house. Um, we've, we've tried it. We've had a couple guests on here and there, you know, try to get a guest with, you know, big social media numbers for the retweet or whatever. And uh, one of the best and most listened to episodes we have was, was with uh, an agent with not like a huge social media following or anything like that. It's just that he had really good stories to tell that people haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. And I, so there's a, when there's a connection, I think, between host and guest. And uh, I think that makes for great listening. And then there's old Suge. Good old Suge Emery. And... <laughs> If people listen, this is my second time having Suge on. Um, the, it's funny because people are like, Tony, you tried to end that episode like four times before, <laughs> before you finally <laughs> ended it. Because, man, Suge is a force of nature, that guy. he He's a physically a force of nature in person as well. Like, he was yeah. tumbling around on the floor <laughs> by the end of it. Literally, like, rolling around on the floor to demonstrate something. 
Yeah. I'm not even willing to do that at my age, and I'm I'm a fair amount younger than Shogun. He's just bouncing around. <laughs> like, like I mean, talk about a podcast that should have a video component. It's one with Shug Emery. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah, he, he's one of my favorites just because he's one of those people. Like, I actually heard of him before we even had this podcast. You know that we work on. So yeah, it was really yeah. cool. That was cool. Well, we've got great stuff coming up too. I've got several guests lined up. Um, like I said, I want to, uh, I'm going to post maybe around the holidays, uh, Christmas holidays, we'll post this, um, talk I gave, uh, down at Lutheran church of the resurrection in Marion, Iowa. And I'm so grateful to the people down there for bringing me down. Um, yeah, it, and, and then, um, I'm hoping to get my buddy Jorge Vacuna on, who's another guy who's taught me a ton about hunting. And I've probably hunted more days with Jorge than with any other human being I know. Um, he and I have hunted, geez, I don't know how many days over the last 10 years. This Sunday, Brandon, Thanksgiving weekend, I will be in Huron, South Dakota, and I will be preaching at Grace Episcopal Church for the 10th consecutive year. Wow. So, uh, there's been good hunting for 10 years in a row too. Yeah, you got it, buddy. I mean, it was 10 years ago that I put on my blog, I will preach in exchange for hunting. And that uh, Mother Jean, the rector of that Episcopal church, emailed me and offered, hey, I'll, I'll hook you up with some hunting if you come out here and preach in my church. And so this will be my 10th year of being out there. And uh Jorge is actually under receiving treatment for cancer, his second type of cancer. He's had throat cancer. Now he's got prostate cancer. Um, and he's almost died multiple times. He's really a piece of work. He's got he's a cat with nine lives for sure. So I want to have him on because I've been hunting with him for 10 years, and that was it's been really, really special, uh, special times with him. So hopefully that's coming up here in the next month. We'll we'll try to sit him down. He's a tough guy to pin down because he's always on the go. Um, but hopefully when he's running through the Twin Cities here, I'll be able to sit down with him and chat with him. Well, well speaking of hunting, it's also, it's been three weeks since the last episode came Oof, out. Do you have any awkward. updates? How have you been doing? You, awkward. Why'd you bring that up, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give you a week off of <laughs> producing this podcast. You know, Brandon, I looked at I looked at my calendar uh, a couple months ago and I said to Courtney, um, I'm going to be gone nine weekends in a row wow. hunting. And she was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, she's cool with it. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of hunting. Um, this weekend will be my third trip to South Dakota out of four that I have planned. And I'll probably do more than that. Um, I'll probably have more trips than that. Maybe a fifth trip, sneak it in there. Been deer hunting a couple times. Um, I'm going duck hunting the following weekend in Wisconsin with my cousin's husband. He's been inviting me for years. I'm finally going. Yeah. So there's been a lot of hunting and Instead of trying, well, look, the numbers this year um, have been incredible in South Dakota. Incredible. Um, we're shooting limits almost every day. We're seeing a ton of pheasants. We're seeing pheasants with no, we're seeing roosters with no tail feathers, which um, means probably that they were born in August. That's very late hatch. 
And that means it's possible that some pheasant hens had three broods of chicks. Wow. Which, of course, when that happens, that's going to make the numbers go crazy. Um, and the weather this year just seemed to be perfect for uh, for pheasant broods. And that is a dry spring because pheasants nest in low areas like ditches and stuff like that. And if it rains a ton, it'll wash them out. The chicks will drown. The nests will wash away. So you want kind of a dry spring followed by a wet summer because in the wet summer, what happens is chicks get most of their protein from bugs and worms and grubs in the soil. So of course, when it rains, uh, those little critters are easier to find that the soil is softer. They come to the surface and stuff like that. Um, and they, they proliferate, the bugs proliferate, which means the pheasant chicks have an abundant source of protein. So it just, it's one of those years where it's just been a great year. And I will say this, I've also shot more grouse this year than I've ever shot. I've never shot more than one grouse in a year. Now I'm not a big, I don't grouse on a ton. I, I, there's a little walk, like an hour and 15 minute loop. I do at our cabin where I walk around, look for grouse. And this year, man, it's just, there've been a ton of grouse and I've been shooting well, which is rare um, because grouse are hard to shoot. And I think Aiden's shot one or two grouse as well, too. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun year. And I'll just tell you one quick story about Iowa last weekend. Went down to Iowa, and these these people at this Lutheran church were super nice. Marion, Iowa, is right outside of Cedar Rapids. It's kind of in east central uh, uh, Iowa. It's about maybe like four hours and 15 minutes from the Twin Cities. Got down there on Thursday and met a guy halfway down, and he and I met. On, he was a guy from this church, and we met on some public land, and we hunted hard. We hunted hard a couple different spots. It was really cold and windy. He shot one rooster. Uh, Crosby and I flushed, I don't know, three, four, or five hens. Never took a shot. Friday, uh, down by Marion, at the after I had my you know, kind of had some duties around noon and uh, meeting with the past, uh, a group of area pastors. And then then I was going to meet with the youth group in, in the evening at the biggest pizza ranch I've ever seen. And um, I decided, well, I'm going to go hit some public land for an hour. Went to hit some public land, um, flushed a bunch of pheasants that were not in the public land. They were over a barbed wire fence in a private cornfield. <laughs> so couldn't shoot them. And then flushed three more hens. Really bummed. Just like striking out. Saturday, some guys from this church say, um, Saturday afternoon, they're like, we're going to take you goose hunting. So we set up. It was maybe it was 30 mile an hour winds. It was really freaking cold. We're in the middle of a cornfield in a pop-up blind. Um, We saw, I don't know, 2,000 geese just a few close enough to shoot and we all shot and one goose came down. I don't think I hit it. I think one of the other guys hit it. Uh, and then the fun thing was Crosby got, this goose was not dead. It was like running away cause we just broke its wing. Crosby got to run it down and pin it down and geese are man. They're tough critters. Okay. Yeah. So all that to say, then I preach on Sunday morning and I, I get in touch with an old friend 
because he's from Mary. And I'm like, hey, I'm, would you believe I'm in Mary in your hometown? And he said, he texted me back and said, I just talked to my brother. You have permission to hunt our family farm. It's 20 miles outside of Marion. And I look on the map and it's like, on my way home. It's about, yeah, it's, it's on my way home. So I think, well, what the heck? Uh, it's a beautiful day. Finally, the weather had calmed down. It was a beautifully sunny day. Maybe it was like 30, 32 degrees. Very little wind. Perfect for pheasant hunting. So I drive. Uh, you know, it's kind of on my way home, a little bit out of my way and, and go down this gravel road and that gravel road and then pull up to their farm. And I look, I'm like, crap, standing corn everywhere. The corn had not been harvested. Now, for those of you who don't hunt pheasants, here's the thing about pheasants. During the day, they are feeding unless the weather's terrible and then they just stay hunkered down. But on a, on a nice sunny day, they're going to be out feeding. So you want to hunt food plots. Some people like to hunt standing corn, but you can hunt standing corn if you've got like a line of 15 guys and some blockers and a bunch of dogs. I was looking at like 160 acres of standing corn and me and my dog. And I'm looking like those pheasants are out in the corn. They're, what am I going to do? I can't find pheasants that are out in the middle of 160 acres of corn. But here I am. So I loaded up. My, in fact, I took my I took my backup gun because I just thought, well, I should carry this gun once in a while because my over-under, I almost never use it. And I thought, well, I'm probably not even going to shoot. So I might as well just carry this gun just for shits and giggles. So I'm walking um, east and the corn is south of me at my right. I'm walking in a ditch, um, like right along the barbed wire fence. And there's corn on one side of me and a ditch and then a gravel road on the other side of me. And I send Crosby into the corn and all of a sudden I hear a rooster cackle and two roosters get up like right away within 30 seconds of us starting to walk this field, two roosters get up Wow! because I'm carrying the raw, the, the gun I'm not used to. I can't find the safety. It's a thumb safety instead of like an index finger safety on my normal gun. So I whiff, I can't find the safety and I don't even shoot at these two. Oh, no. I'm like, can you believe it? I have been in Iowa for four days. I haven't shot a thing. And now I just had two roosters get up and I could have shot a double and I shot zero. I'm like, this is unbelievable. That's, that's not a good, <laughs> I was so, a good no, really my heart sank. I'm like, why did I bring this? Why did I grab my second gun? Why didn't I just like, you know, this is the worst. When you go in and you just like, no, there's not going to be any pheasants in this yeah. field. So we, we walk another 20 steps. I hear another cackle. Bam. I shoot a rooster. Crosby, nice. It falls deep in the corn. Crosby runs up, runs in there, finds it, brings it back to me. We get to the edge of the corn and we turn south. And now I'm walking with like a creek bed to my left and corn to my right. Walking along the same cornfield. Another rooster. Bam. Drop it. Crosby gets it, brings it back to me. We take 20 more steps. Cackle, cackle. Two more roosters get up. All right. Bam. I shoot one of them. Don't shoot the second because now I've got my limit. Three roosters. This one drops way deep in the corn. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if Crosby's even going to find it. You know, maybe it's a runner. Who knows? I wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then here comes Crosby out of the corn with the rooster. 
I shot a limit of roosters in 15 minutes in this farm. Isn't that something? And it could have been faster. <laughs> yeah, it could have been faster. It could have been in five minutes if I would have, like, ha- you know, remembered where the safety was on my Winchester. It was meant to be. Now you, now you're forever reminded when you had that gun where exactly that. Ex- you be. got it. I mean, I texted the guy and I'm like, I will never forget that hunt because I rarely hunt pheasants alone. It's very rare. I'm almost always in groups, and just to be able to send a dog and be like, I don't know, go run in that corn. Let's see what happens, and then have all these one, two, five, six roosters pop up. Six roosters, no hens. All I'd seen was hens. Sounds Six like- roosters. I shoot three of them. We're done for the day. It was the most, it was a beautiful day. It was the most gratifying feeling. So that's hunting, man. That is hunting. You can, um, you can have so many frustrating experiences and then you have a day like that and you're like, this is why I love it. See, now that makes me want to actually go out and see some roosters. So we've got to go to a cornfield in Iowa. You're saying <laughs> that's, that's next up. Well, look, man, <laughs> you know how badly I want to get you on some oh, roosters. Yeah. Absolutely. And these guys from the flush, I think they might be dodging us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I keep hearing they're busy. They are pretty busy, but yeah. Maybe <laughs> I know this wanna... is the busy time of year for guys who film an Upland hunting television <laughs> show. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But come on, no excuses, fellas. Right. How are you supposed to be a mentor if you don't mentor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is just like, this is a just a shout out to Scott and Travis. Come on, stop dragging your feet. Let's get a date on the calendar, a Wednesday in December. We're going to take Brandon out. We're going to find some roosters. We're going to go to a place that's not ankle deep in water, for one. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'll throw this out there for him too. Hey, guys, I won't mention it on air if we miss again. I'll just, I'll just keep <laughs> oh, is that what you think? That's what you think. You think that it looks bad for them. And so they're, uh, that's why they're dragging their feet. They're like, oh man, every, w- when people watch our TV show, they're like, look at the, how many roosters they shoot. And then when Brandon goes out, they see none. Maybe they think you're the bad luck charm or something. That could be it. I mean, I, that's fine. I'd accept that. But maybe it's just that, you know, when you're filming stuff, you could shoot hundreds of things <laughs> and your percentage yeah. is always going to make it look good. True. I've got to give them grief. Well, next time you're on a, a flush podcast with them, tell them, hey, I don't know, you guys, the Reverend Hunter, he's really been calling you guys on the carpet on this on the pheasant <laughs> hunting thing. So it, it might be embarrassing to you if you don't actually take me out hunting. Well, Brandon, even if they don't join us, you and I are going to go out in December. Yeah. Oh, we, we have to for sure. And yeah. that's actually one of those uh, cheesy things I was going to bring up, uh, being thankful for uh, doing the show with you is just actually having you do as much as trying to mentor me and bringing me up for shooting a couple times, trying to get the guys together to go hunting and stuff like that. You know, it's, I really appreciate that. And that's kind of the, one of the coolest things I've learned about working with within this hunting world. Now that there's a lot of really kind and giving people that are involved with it. And, you know, it could be a little bit scary to get into for some people, but it doesn't hurt just to ask or at least find someone you're comfortable talking to it about with. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice of you to say. And I think it's, I, I, I get a lot of joy, you know, um, out of it. I, oh, it was just over a year ago that, that you were on with my buddy, Chris, after his first wild pheasant hunt, you guys were, we were all out there together. Uh, this weekend I'm taking my little brother Cavante. He's going out to South Dakota for the first time. The only hunting he's ever done is at a game farm. All right. A couple times. So he's going to get on some wild birds in South Dakota. 
And I think, I think when, when, you know, most people, when I take them out there, uh, when they get on a, a real fun wild bird hunt, they just get hooked. They just get, it's just such a, such an addictive type of experience just gets the adrenaline going, man. It's so fun. So yeah, we'll get you out there for sure. For sure. And, um, what, uh, what's on the menu for Thanksgiving? Uh, whatever my brother's cooking. <laughs> oh, okay. Going to your brother's. He's, he's the chef of the family. So. I see. Do you, do you have any assignments? Like you have to bring a side dish or anything? I'll probably like bring some rolls or something like that. You know, <laughs> something that comes pre-made that you pop in the oven. <laughs> okay. Okay. How, how about yourself? Where do you, well, from? I got a wild Turkey. I mean, of course, as you, as you well know, because this year I went from being like, Oh, for 10, 10 years of turkey hunting and not bagging a turkey. And then this year I got two. So my second turkey, my fall turkey, um, that is in a saltwater and brown sugar brine right now. We're recording on Wednesday. And then Thursday morning, I'll take that bad boy out and rinse, rinse it up. It's actually a bad girl. It was a hen. And put him, put her on the rotisserie on my Weber grill. And that's how we're going to have a wild Turkey. And then we're going to suck cause they're not that big. So we're going to supplement the wild Turkey with a venison backstrap. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, all the sides and eat and go to bed early because at uh five 30 Friday morning, we drive to South Dakota to chase some pheasants around. That's, that's really That's really cool. It sounds actually like a real technical official Thanksgiving because I had to do a little research and correct uh, Mr. Ron Shera I, <laughs> about Thanksgiving. I didn't even have to correct him. He was right. But venison and wild game, those are the main meal, you know, yeah. foods there. So That's right. That's right. That's exactly what they were eating, and that's what we should all be eating is more wild game. Especially this year, I've heard the turkey prices are up, and there's a, a shortage of turkeys and because of avian flu and stuff. And you know what? If you shoot a wild turkey, you don't have to worry about those supply chain issues. Exactly. There's plenty of wild turkeys out there. It's supposed to be that much better too, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's yeah, I'm sure it'll be better. I'll let you know. Well, thanks, man. I hope um I hope we fulfilled everybody's wishes for the old Tony and ba- Brandon banter. You think? <laughs> How what, what would you give us a grade? How do you think we did? I think we did all right. I mean, with you holding the show together, it makes it easier for me. That's for sure. Oh, man. I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving, Brandon. And uh, I look forward to, you know, keep keeping the show rolling with you. I really appreciate the work you've done and thankful for it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be podcasting if it were not for you. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for letting me be along for the ride. You bet, man. And, uh, yeah, and hey, you- we want to thank Grain Belt Premium, who is, this is, uh, I guess, their, the, the final um, episode they're sponsoring. And we really appreciate their sponsorship of this podcast and the, the whole Talk North podcast network. Um, and if you want some beer for your holiday, I would run out and buy some of that Grain Belt Camo Pack special hunters edition of their grain belt premium beer. So why don't you get on that and uh, show your support? Maybe even, maybe even post a picture of your grain belt beer and tag the Reverend Hunter and say, I bought this because the Reverend Hunter told me to. Uh, We're thankful that you listen to this podcast and we are just love hearing from you. So 
you know, please drop us a line. Tell other people about the Reverend Hunter podcast and all the Talk North sister and brother podcasts out there that uh, Brandon works so hard on. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks.